0: Welcome to the Sports Forecasters Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. This podcast has been created not to dwell and over-evaluate what has already happened in the sports world, but to predict and to forecast what has yet to come. From game picks to draft picks, and from trades to free agent signings, we will let you know what happens before it happens. Your hosts, Nick and Nate, will evaluate, study, and understand sports patterns, tendencies, and nuances to better prepare you on what to expect just like weatherman but way more accurate so if you like to pick games or you simply just want to be in the know before anybody else you are in the right place enjoy the show Welcome, everybody, to the third edition of the Sports Forecasters. This is Nathan, and my boy Nick Alvarez is with me today. And, you know, speaking of forecasting, the weathermen definitely forecasted the snow that we got this past week. I don't know about you, Nick, but... We got over a foot here in Findlay, Ohio, with drifts up to three feet, and the weatherman certainly predicted that here. I don't know
1: about you. We're, we're, how's the snow looking for you guys? Same deal. We were hit We hit a foot as well. was very skeptic, especially being in the education world where you kind of wait for those kind of things to come around about school cancellations and whatnot, but they hit this one on the head.
0: Yes, they did. That's that's a rare occasion. So let's hope our forecasting in today's episode is uh, just as accurate. So what do we got today? What are we what are we looking at? What are we forecasting today? Tell the audience what what
1: they get to, to hear us talk about. On the docket for today, we are going to look at NCAA men's tournament basketball, specifically conferences. Right now, we're just going to hit four of the biggest conferences we have going on right now. We're going to talk about the Big 12, Big 10, ACC and SEC for today. And then we're going to jump into a little basketball hall of fame, trying to forecast who we think is going to be in the upcoming class or who, what members would be the first ballot potentials. Those are the items we're going to look at. What do we got to start with? We're going to start with the Big 12. So
0: we have top of the Big 12 Baylor, Oklahoma, Kansas, Texas, West Virginia, and Texas Tech. Those are your top six. So, Nick, tell me, who do you got winning the Big 12? tournament that's coming up in a couple of weeks
1: well the first thing i look at is the conference tournament history like where do these seeds end up typically speaking obviously you have outliers and everything like that and the big 12 here has the fourth and fifth seed combined since they've done a big 12 tournament winning it three times so i'm not really looking at texas or west virginia to come away from this one I'm feeling very strong about how Baylor's been coming on and being being consistent throughout the season. They've went through the Big 12, most of the Big 12, I should say. They've battled through them, and they've won it. And in the Big 12, the number one seed for the conference tournament has won it 12 times. So I'm going to play it safe on this one, not looking for much of an outlier. Baylor hasn't given me much reason to not think they could win it, so I'm going with Baylor for this one. What do you have, Nathan? Yeah,
0: I like that pick a lot. You know, you look at this season— and one thing that is really difficult in, in in college sports is the the amount of home court or, or home field advantage has, um, especially, you know, when you look at the football schools like the Ohio State's, the Alabamas, who, I mean, nearly impossible to win on their turf. And then in basketball, it's nearly impossible to win at Cameron Indoor Stadium at Duke or at Kansas like those those it's basically an automatic W for those teams and there's many other teams like that because the crowd and just that atmosphere but this year we didn't have it it's so from you can you could take out that home court advantage aspect this year and which helps kind of look at this a little bit more objectively because records aren't inflated due to that home court advantage but you have to keep in mind the variable how the pandemic has affected these teams throughout the season. But I'm going to actually use that as kind of fuel here. And I think I like teams that can battle through adversity and can come out, you know, winners through adversity. And so I like teams that either prepared well, that didn't have to have players sit due to the pandemic. Uh, That means it's a well-coached team, well-organized team, good chemistry, they listen well, they behave well, which is good ingredients of a championship team. Or if they did happen to go through adversity because of the pandemic and still won a lot of games, that shows me that they're able to handle a lot of challenges coming their way. So either way, I look at these records and if I see a team that has a lot of wins and very few losses, I think it says a lot about this team and I think they have a good DNA about them that take them a long way. So I agree with Baylor being undefeated, knowing how successful they were the year before I think they're going to I think they're going to wrap up this Big 12 championship with ease. I don't think it's going to be close. So let's jump now to the Big 10.
1: Yes, and for the Big 10 this year, they moved it out of Chicago. They're keeping it all in Indy. Take care of these protocols and everything like that. For the Big 10, we have Michigan, that's number 1. We have Illinois, then Ohio State, Iowa, Purdue, and Wisconsin rounding out your top 6 in the Big 10. All teams do play. There's buys Depending on how high you're ranked. So, Nate, who do you see as Big Ten tournament champion? Yeah, so the Big Ten is stacked this year.
0: They are phenomenal, by far the best conference in basketball, in my opinion. And I think you're going to see at least two, if not three, Big Ten teams in the Final Four this year. I'm saying that now. I will circle back on that when the brackets come out, but I have at least two Big Ten teams right now in the Final Four. I think that conference is that good and I'm looking at this um, right now Michigan's at one but they have a lot they've played a lot lesser games because they they had a a couple weeks off there due to some of the pandemic issues and like I alluded to earlier it's like I like to see teams if they had these issues how did they overcome these challenges and Michigan I just this past weekend I saw Michigan go up against Wisconsin and it was their first game in like I think like two or three weeks and they were down most that game And they came back, and they ended up pulling off that victory. And this Big Ten Conference is deep, and Wisconsin is a really good team. And so seeing Michigan being able to do that after being off so long and having only that one loss on the record, I think this could be a very dangerous team. I'm a big fan of their coach, and I think this is a very, very great team that could go very far in the tournament, and I think Michigan is going to get this conference tournament in the Big Ten and be a number one seed in the March Madness tournament. What do you got?
1: Very strong pick. Not much to argue with that, except when I look at conference tournament past. Your one and your two seeds. There you have nine for the ones. Nine times the one seed has won the tournament, and seven times the second seed has won. And like you said, this conference is very top-notch especially towards the top the top four currently those teams are looking really good and this tournament i feel like will embody what we love about march madness is like everyone has puncher's chance to win their game so i feel like this tournament is going to be one that i wish i would have time to watch it but a lot of their games are during school hours so that will be more of watching recordings. So this will be a very interesting tournament to watch when it comes. And for me, I definitely think Michigan's going to make some gigantic noise in the March Madness tournament. But I think I'm going to go with Illinois on this one. I just not much of a reason beyond the fact of they've just looked solid throughout the year. And they've been battling it throughout about the same amount of time as Michigan but I'm just going to go with Illinois just to kind of avoid the homerism of Ohio State I think Ohio State has just as good of a shot but if these seedings stay where they're at Illinois statistically speaking has the better shot of going into it so I'm going to go with Illinois just for the sake of parity and I just think the continuity of playing more games at this point and not missing as much time may play in their favor later I granted it's three weeks but still I'm going to go with Illinois for this one. That leads us to the ACC. Nathan, give us our rundown on the ACC. Yeah, well, let's talk about the ACC. We got Virginia, Florida State, Virginia Tech on the top.
0: I mean, not Louisville, North Carolina, or Duke that we're all so accustomed to. So this, this conference is just flipped inside out. Virginia, though typically they're typically at the top of the ACC so I will I shouldn't disregard them but the reason they're they're typically at the top is because they don't just get a bunch of freshmen that come in and play like the Dukes and the North Carolinas and Louisvilles they they've got a lot of juniors and seniors that stay and so they had that chemistry already built going into the season so that's why they didn't lose a step but when I look at Virginia that's a team that you know I can never trust I mean we all remember when they got beat as a one seed <laughs> by a 16 seed. And when it comes to them in tournament time, they're a good regular season team, but tournament, I just, they don't have that clutch niche to them. And their players don't, their coach don't. So the ACC team that I'm always scared of when I watch the ACC tournament as a Duke fan is Florida State. Florida State is like, they go to the next gear. In the tournament, and they—you look at the ACC tournament, the last few years with their coach, they win it, and they're really good. So there might be a three or four seed in the tournament, but they find a way to win it. I have to go with Florida State. I like that team a lot. I think they're well coached, even though Virginia is the better record. They did already lose to Florida State this year, and when it comes to tournament time, Florida State seems to bring it up a notch. Virginia seems to bring it down a notch. So. I got Florida State win the ACC tournament. What do you got?
1: First off, in this particular conference, the number one seed wins it 32 times, or has won it 32 times, I should say. The second seed has won it 13 times, and the third seed 10 times. You're really looking at Virginia, Florida State, and Virginia Tech, because after that, it's five or less for the remaining seats. So Virginia, Florida State, Virginia Tech have history on their side. Now, when we're looking at history, like Nathan said, that Virginia loss early in the tournament, and that has a bad taste in my mouth still. I remember it very vividly. It was one of those shockers. It was just like half my bracket's blown up at this point. And so Virginia, for whatever reason, doesn't always seem to put it together come tournament time. They look great during the regular season, coming down the stretch, and then comes tournaments and up and down, back and forth, and just you're not sure what you're gonna get with them. Well, Florida State seems to be more of the proven commodity, and that's who I'm going to go with in this one. I feel like Florida State's going to end up making that second seed win this tournament 14 times and upping it. I'm going to go with Florida State for the ACC tournament champion.
0: Yeah, and may I add, the reason there's the number one seed they win 32 times is because Duke and North Carolina typically dominate that conference. But this year, because those two are down, the number one seed winning at all. I just don't don't see that technically playing into this particular tournament. Final one we got here. Oh, go ahead. You got another, another thing to say?
1: And I would just add the pedigree of those programs would give you more confidence to go with them as a pick. Not to say Virginia isn't building towards that. I mean, the last few years they've been towards the top. They've been a topic of conversation as one of those top teams in the nation. It's just like they're just not there yet. Florida State, you have more of that confidence because it's not only a recognizable name name that's consistently performed when it comes time we're going to head into the sec so i'm going to go ahead and give the breakdown of the sec tournament it's going to be held in nashville tennessee this year what you have right now for your top seven teams you have alabama one two arkansas three lsu four tennessee five florida six ole miss and seven missouri these are the current conference standings at this point so nathan looking at the sec very young conference in terms of having a tournament again because they took a few years off brought it back Uh, we don't see kentucky at the top who do you think will come away with this
0: i think this is the toughest one of them all the fact that kentucky's not even on the board right now i mean we got alabama number one like i didn't even know they had a basketball program Uh, i'm kidding by the way obviously they do but you know you don't think of alabama being the number one team in basketball in the sec so it's the fact that they're up there and Arkansas's up there, I am just still trying to wrap my mind around that. I do think that it's gonna be between Alabama and Arkansas. I haven't really watched too much SEC basketball this year, I must admit. But last year I remember watching this Arkansas team. I remember how impressed I was with them. Like they were they made mistakes, they were young. I remember watching them like they're gonna be good next year. There, there's something about them. And Albeit, they're ranked in the top 25 this year. Now, they have lost to Alabama this year. So, I'm really hesitant to picking them. But I'm going to stick with my gut that I had the year before. I really like this Arkansas team. I haven't watched them yet this year, though. But I don't forget what I saw last year. And they're not a team full of one and done. So, I'm going to be under the assumption that a lot of their players came back. It's so I'm going to pick the two seed here to win this conference, and I think this one to win the tournament. And I think this one is so up in the air. I honestly could see like an Ole Miss winning this tournament and who's a six seed right now. So this is definitely the toughest one, but I'm just going to go with Arkansas. What do you
1: got? I have to echo your sentiment, Nathan. In this conference, I feel is a little more difficult to pick. All the other ones we've mentioned after six or so, it's you can have that good cutoff and feel pretty good about the teams underneath there not making too much noise. For this one, it just seems really close. That's why we included seven And looking through these current standings in their conference. For me personally, after four, I'm not really looking at them to possibly win. It doesn't mean they couldn't. They could shock the world. They could have like a Syracuse run of a few years ago and win their tournament when they weren't expected to but i'm really looking at alabama arkansas lsu and tennessee and when you look at their conference losses tennessee's lost to everyone in the conference at least once you have lsu losing to alabama twice and then you have arkansas who's lost to a few different opponents here in their conference alabama's only lost to missouri it's very tight log jam if you go through who's going to play who in the tournament if this would stand Tennessee, I don't think, beats Alabama, just they don't get over that hump again. And then LSU and Arkansas looks like it'd just be that close of a matchup, but Arkansas comes out on top. I'm looking at a 1-2 and two seed conference tournament championship game, and I just think I'm going to just stick with who's been consistent, who's made their way through the conference and won it, 12-1 and one currently, in Alabama. I think Alabama will end up winning it. They win the SEC in football, and I think they'll win men's basketball here. That's who I have for that one. Let's go ahead and go back through, I'll just say the conference, Nathan. You say who you picked, and we'll just recap those. Big 12, who did you have, Nathan? I had Baylor. I had Baylor as well. Big 10, Nathan went with? The Michigan Wolverines. And then I'm going with the upset. Try not to be too much a homer and saying Ohio State, even though I feel strong about them. I'm going to say Illinois. (laughs) ACC, Nathan? I'm going with the Florida State Seminoles. And I echoed that sentiment. I stuck with them as well. And then SEC, we went opposites on this one. You had? I had Arkansas. And I went with Alabama. So that was our look at four bigger conferences, who we thought was going to win their conference tournaments here in a few weeks. But one thing I wanted to bring up, um, talking about different things going on, with the freshman from Duke opting out, I wanted to bring up the fact that Gonzaga and BYU right now are in talks of opting out of their tournament which Gonzaga and BYU make complete sense based on where they're ranked. Their trip to the tournament is pretty well locked, solid. Them being in the conference tournament could only hurt their seeding for March Madness. What are your thoughts on that, Nathan?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't blame them for the sake of what's going on with the pandemic because I do think they should have that ability to opt out because not for the sake of like, oh, we might ruin our seeding if we lose. I don't like that case. But what I do defend is Listen, we don't want to go to this meaningless conference tournament and be exposed to a bunch of players at one location and potentially get COVID and hurt our chances at the tournament that means way more, which is the NCAA tournament. And then we have players sitting out for two weeks because they caught COVID because of a silly, you know, non-major conference tournament that they totally destroyed this year. I 100% defend these teams who want to skip it because they don't want to potentially get COVID and hurt their chances in the NCAA tournament. Now I hope this doesn't open a can of worms and allow teams to like year after year after year, be like, ah, we're just going to opt out this year because we don't want to hurt our chances in our seeding. We went undefeated this year. We're afraid to go into the tournament and lose and get dropped to a two seed or whatever. If that's the case, I do not agree with that. I hope that we don't allow freedom or gray area in the future when there is no pandemic. So I just, I feel like the exception this year for the sake of keeping players safe and to allow them to achieve the bigger goal so we can have people at full strength for the NCAA tournament, not have full strength at the conference tournaments and people catch COVID and then are not at full strength, the tournament that matters. So this year, I agree with it. I'm okay with it. Future years, I definitely would be against such a thing. Do you have any disagreements with what I had said?
1: Actually, no, I 100% agree. Based on the conference that Gonzaga and BYU are in, there's not much of a reason for you to do it, like exactly what you said, because of the pandemic. After this year, I wouldn't grant that kind of exception or that option to opt out. Like you're in the conference, play your conference tournament. But for this year because of the risk that the pandemic presents it's smart for them to give them Mm -hmm. or let them look at the option of it i don't know if they have that but it makes complete sense for their particular conference now for these other conferences i think you need to play it out to see how to seed these teams when it comes down the stretch for the march madness tournament especially like the big 10 like we said before you have three four and five right now in the in the ap poll in the same conference so you need ability to distinguish them but for Gonzaga and BYU in their circumstances, it makes sense for them to be able to have that option because you don't want the best player or a team knocked out of the tournament that has potential to make a very deep run later in March for a national championship. Absolutely agree based on the circumstance of this year. In future years, I hope they don't give these teams the options for it when we're out of a pandemic or anything of that sort. Have them play their tournaments because quite honestly, it's good experience when they get into the March Madness national tournament. And also, it's great for the fans to start getting their whistles wet and getting them hyped up for their team or for them to fill out the bracket to figure out what team could make that run. I completely agree with you, Nathan. Just based on the circumstances of the year, good thing to let them have as an option. If they play, I don't fault them. If they decide not to, not going to fault them in this case.
0: Yeah, a lot of great points. I think they're going to make the right decisions, and we just we just want a tournament this year. At the end of the day, we just we don't want to cancel it two years in a row. But anyways, let's let's move on from college basketball. Let's jump to the NBA, more specifically the Professional Hall of Fame, the class of 2020. A very good class with Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, Tamika Catchings, and, and many others. A very good class indeed, and we're looking forward to seeing that ceremony. But we're going to focus our Attention on the class of 2021, which will be inducted in August, I believe. We're gonna do a little forecasting here. We're each gonna predict who we think is gonna be a part of that class. And so we're gonna predict whether there's gonna be some first ballot Hall of Famers in this class or if we feel like it's going to be some notable players that have been on the ballot that didn't get in quite yet that could sneak in this year. So the class of 2021, Nick, tell the audience key names um, that are maybe notable names that have been on the ballot and some some notable names that are first-time candidates and give us two predictions that you think are going to make it this year.
1: Right. So let's start with the first-time candidates. The first-time candidates you have are Doug Collins, Michael Cooper, Howard Garfinkel, Lou Henson, Paul Pierce, Val Ackerman, Yolanda Griffith, Lauren Jackson, Darren Williams, World Peace, Mike Miller, David Lee, Boris Diao, Mike Dunleavy. Those are our first-time candidates. Based on those names, my prediction, I'm not seeing two coming out of this one, unfortunately. I think that one will come out of group for this year. Paul Pierce would be my pick out of this pool of first-time candidates that would make it through. Not to say others won't, but he would be the one I would forecast to make it through this first time. Now, for the notable names on the ballot, we have Chauncey Billups, Chris Bosh, Richard Hamilton, Bob Huggins, Ben Wallace, Chris Weber, Jay Wright. Swin Cash and Becky Hammond. Most of these names were ones I grew up watching. And based on those names, the one I feel like would have the strongest chance out of noble names that I said there, it's, either, it's between Becky Hammond and Chris Bosch, And I'm just going to say Chris Bosch based on him being part of that historic Miami Heat team. Nathan, who do you have for the first time candidates? Very good picks. Rundown of those first time candidates. I think there's a
0: chance that two are on here. I think Paul Pierce is the obvious one. I think Darren Williams has a shot. A uh, very good point guard, very long career. I just, I think he unfortunately played for a bunch of teams that weren't quite that, those championship teams. So he never really had that success, but he was a great point guard and he was a great basketball player and had a very nice long career. So I, I think there is a chance, but it's going to be hard to be a first ball hall of famer without a ring. Darren Williams probably won't get it. Paul Pierce, probably will so we're gonna go with Paul Pierce so I'm looking at these notable names I mean I don't want to have to agree with you again but I mean you look at Chauncey Billups obviously has a ring we had a very long career jumped around the league a lot one of my all-time favorite players I am envious of the point guard position because I played that position as well I always fall in love with the, the point guards more than any other position but you know I see Chauncey you know not only do well as a basketball player but he he did well as an, as an ESPN announcer, and now he's on a coaching staff. It's So I, I guess I don't really know exactly what the criteria is or what these people look at, but the fact that he's doing so much for the sport outside of just being a really great point guard in the NBA I think gives him a really good chance of getting into the Hall of Fame because he did the announcing thing. Now he's an assistant coach in the NBA, I think that's going to be in consideration. Obviously, with Chris Bosh, he's got two rings. He had he was one heck of a player in Toronto. Obviously, one heck of a player in Miami. But due to health, you know, reasons, he had to step away from the game. And I think he still had a lot left in him. And you wonder if like if that's taking into consideration. Do they maybe have a little bit of an empathy or sympathy, I should say, towards him because of the health reasons? Knowing like, can we just kind of look at? what he could have been and get kind of give him that nudge and he has multiple rings as well so been a four championships two rings that's really good those would be the only two i would even considered i know you consider becky hammond i'm not quite on that bandwagon yet even though she seems to be doing well she stepped in as a head coach in the nba first woman to do that which is pretty neat to see but i think it's between chauncey and chris And if I had to guess, I'm going to go with Chris Bosh. Because I think at the end of the day, they're going to look at rings. And Chris Bosh has more rings, more championships than Chauncey does. Even though Chauncey's done the announcing, now he's coaching. I think you're going to look at Chris and think, you know what? This guy probably would have even had more success if the health didn't stop him. And I I think there's going to be a little sympathy there. And I think they're going to push him in along with Paul Pierce. And I think those two are going to be in the class of 2021. So I guess we agree here.
1: Yeah, and with the Hall of Fame, it's always, for basketball, it's a very neat process to watch because there's multiple committees and they don't look just at the NBA. They look at all facets of basketball, WNBA and overseas and all kinds of things. So it's always a neat list to see when it comes out. Hopefully we're right. We'll see what happens there. All candidates obviously have their own merit to hang their hat on to say this is why i should be in we'll see what happens here in a few weeks typically they announce that near the all-star break so we'll get to see what happens with that with that being said we've looked at the pro basketball hall of fame and men's basketball tournament everyone thank you so much for tuning in to the third episode of the sports forecasters please be sure to find us on any way that you consume your podcasting find our facebook page the sports forecasters drop us a like follow us and let us know how we're doing Thank you so much for tuning in. You guys have a great night and we'll see you next time.